The voice of reason. The voice of alarm. The voice of stats. The voice of scouts. The voice of Kool-Aid. The voice of dismay. The voice of Davo. The Royals have begun this 10-game road trip 2-0 after an exciting 2-1 win over the Tribe, moving KC to 61-38 and and now a commanding nine-game lead in the AL Central over the Twins. As it's Davo on your dish right here on Clubhouse Conversation, where we're going to talk all about tonight. We're going to preview tomorrow's series finale between the Royals and Cleveland here coming up in just a few minutes as well. But some even more exciting news to talk about. If being 23 games over 500 and having a nine-game lead in the division going into what's almost August 1st isn't exciting enough, how about the fact that the Royals make yet again another blockbuster trade today? And I'll go ahead and call Ben Zobros a blockbuster trade. I mean, some might say it's not quite blockbuster. He didn't have, uh, you know, the frontline starter and the three prospects and blah, blah, blah. But this, to me, is still a huge deal for the Royals. Acquiring Ben Zobras, I'm sure you've heard by now, obviously, from Oakland for lefty pitcher Sean Manaya and right-handed uh, starter slash reliever at the big league level, but a starter in AAA for Omaha the last couple of years. That's Aaron Brooks. And I don't love the Royals having to give up Sean Manaya in this deal. But it's still another slam dunk trade for the Royals, and I'm going to tell you why. Let's start off by talking all about Ben Zobras here. He's the dictionary definition of versatile. You could say utility guy, but he's not really a utility guy because he's an everyday player who hits a lot, who just happens to be able to be amazing and both be a switch hitter and play seven positions on the field. Anything but pitcher and catcher, and I'm sure he could do those in a pinch, but pretty much anything but pitcher and catcher, Ben Zobras can play at at least a league average level on defense. He's a switch hitter, like I said. A veteran, 34 years of age. He gives you a mega insurance policy going forward everywhere on the field. Now, Dayton Moore and Nettie Ost have said he will be playing left field for the most part until Alex Gordon returns, hopefully in the first or second week of September. So until then, you'll see Ben Zobrist out there and left, I would say most likely three out of four days. But he'll play right. I doubt he plays center on this team because you've got Dyson and potentially Orlando on the roster. So I doubt we see him in center much. But he'll play left. He'll play right for Rios occasionally. He'll play some second base for Omar and Fonte. He'll play a shortstop probably a couple of times just to see what the Royals have there and to give him some experience. Hasn't played a lot of short in, in recent days since his knee surgery earlier this month. He'll probably spell moose at least a time or two and could play some first base as well. I mean, he'll play all over the field. And how nice is that to have? Basically, once Alex Gordon is back, even in the month of September, you're going to see him playing every day. Either he plays every day in right field or at second base, or he's playing three out of four days between the two. So he's going to be playing virtually every day no matter what. But, I mean, even when Alex Gordon comes back, he still gives you that extra insurance policy in case somebody else goes down, not named Salvador Perez, anywhere else in the diamond. And how big is that to have a two-time All-Star who can play anywhere on the field. Uh, All-Stars back in 2009 and 2013 for Zobrist. He's hit 20 or more home runs in his major league career three different times. 20 or more home runs. He's driven in more than 90 runs twice. And most importantly, he's OPSed above 800 five different years. Six if you count this year, by the way. As Zobrist currently is at 801 in the ever-important OPS category. 
Now, like I said, hobbled earlier by some leg injuries with Oakland, but a 354 on base. So he gets on base this year, 801 OPS, 6-33 for Zobrist in 67 games. So some might say, oh, it's kind of an off year for, for Zobrist, kind of a down year. And it really is. I mean, that's how good of a player he is. It's still a vast upgrade for the Royals in both right field and second base, even on him having a quote-unquote down year. Not to mention the fact that he can play anywhere else in the diamond on top of that. Just what a what a deal. He's on the last year of a deal, by the way, making $7.5 million this year, a guy that the Royals could certainly afford to bring back for two to three years if both sides feel good about each other and what happens and transpires from here on out. And Ben Zobrist, also World Series experience, and he's appeared in 66 postseason at-bats, 21 games in the postseason. That's huge. So a guy, what is there not to like? You know, going over this again. Twenty-one postseason games can play pretty much anywhere on the field. Switch hitter can draw a walk and hit for power. Plug the gaps. A gamer. There's nothing not to like about this trade. It gives you so much flexibility going forward. Even with your lineup, a guy that could even lead off or hit in the two-hole if they want to. Now, that's not going to happen. Moose is obviously your second-hole hitter, as he should be with the numbers he's put up. You don't touch that at all. You don't touch anything. He's going to slide into the six-hole most likely and probably seven when Gordo gets back. But, man, awesome. Awesome to finally get Ben Zobrist. So the Royals have been rumored to be getting like the last decade. It seems like every year the Royals are rumored to get Ben Zobrist, and it finally happens. Now, what did they give up? Now, let's not let's – not you know, look past the point that the Royals did give up quite a bit to get Zobras because they did. Sean Manaya, a guy who I've been talking about the last couple of weeks, I told you I would not trade him for any pitchers. I would only put him in a deal for a bat, and I was thinking more along the lines of Carlos Gomez at the time I said that. Now, in the last couple of weeks, we've seen Alex Rios all of a sudden turn into a world beater. I mean, he's really OPSing at a high level. We went over that last night, the 900-plus OPS. The extra base hits coming back. He even looks like he's starting to hustle more and play better defense out there the last couple of weeks. So maybe it's a guy who takes his offense to defense as far as effort goes. And that's not that's not a compliment, obviously. That's not an excuse. But at least Rios is starting to play better. So, uh, the, you know, to, to get Gomez or whoever became a little less of a big deal this point forward. And maybe the Royals couldn't have gotten him for Shamanaya anyways. But, I mean, Zobrist is a hell of a player, and the Royals got him from Anaya, a guy that I don't want to give up because I do think he has second starter or, at worst, third starter as his ceiling as a major league pitcher. But depending on who you listen to, Manaya could either be boom or bust. He's six foot five, just 23 years of age. Royals took him last year out of Indiana State. Make that 2013 at Indiana State, not last year. 2013 at Indiana State, the same year as Hunter Dozier where they basically moved their entire draft around, you know, drafting Manaya. This year, I combined one and one with a 3.69 in 31 and two thirds for Sean Manaya. Last year, a 3.11 at seven and eight. Now, the two knocks on Manaya, number one, mechanics, delivery, which number one leads to injury concerns, and number two, walks. Because it's tough for Manaya to, to, you know, stay in the same motion. It's tough for Manaya to keep his mechanics fully together. Sometimes it was just a hair off. He starts walking, guys. He starts leaving the ball up. He starts missing all over the place. So some say an injury time bomb. Some say walks, and they have been an issue. And 153 in the third major league, or sorry, professional innings, Manaya has issued 65 walks and 153 in the third professional innings. Now, with that said, nobody questions if he stays healthy and puts it together. He's not a number two starter because he probably is. 
In fact, I've spoken with a scout, we'll say an NL West scout, high-up scout in that division, that loves Manaya. Says Manaya was one of the best pitching prospects he's ever seen. And had that injury not happened in Indiana State, may have gone number one or number two in that draft. This guy also, by the way, thinks Brett Eibner would be a hell of a major league pitcher too, but that's a different story for a different day because Eibner is also crushing down in Omaha. Look forward to talking more about him in the days to come and probably seeing him up here, uh, hopefully for September call-up later this year if the Royals get a nice lead. But anyway, back on track. So Manaya goes in this trade. Aaron Brooks also thrown in. You would have thought Manaya might have been enough straight up to get Zobras, but hey, if it took Brooks, Brooks may have been the guy that got the Royals the money. We know Oakland threw in a couple million. That may have been for Brooks. Because Brooks... In that big ballpark in Omaha, or in Oakland, which is basically Omaha with the amount of crowds they have there, although Omaha has, has water there, that's kind of a, that's kind of a bad joke. I'm sorry, that's <laughs> kind of mean, but you know what I'm saying. Aaron Brooks also in this deal will probably be good strike thrower in that big ballpark in Oakland, a Billy Bean type of pitcher. He's had four KC appearances in the last couple of years, 25 years of age, and has really put it together this year. Now, last year, the numbers were sexy if you just look at win-loss and ERA. 12-3, and 3-8-8, including the postseason MVP for the Storm Chasers. But this year, he's missing bats. His last year, he only struck out 97 in 140 innings. This year, 92 in 105 innings. So uh, the strikeout numbers have gone way up this year for Brooks, who has a 3.71 ERA for the Storm Chasers. So a guy who probably profiles as a number five major league starter or a good long reliever. That's probably what Brooks is. But still a nice throw in on this deal. And if Oakland had to give up, you know, a couple million bucks to get him a Manaya. For a guy that we're going to lose at the end of the year anyways when they're out of it, that's a nice trade for Oakland to get you know, six years worth of service time from Anaya and Brooks. I suspect the Royals probably, in the end, what will they lose from this trade if you want to look at it from that angle? Uh, I'm going to say Aaron Brooks becomes Mike Wood. Three, four, five years, solid, okay, major league pitcher. And Manaya becomes the number three starter. That's probably what you lost. But then again, Manaya could be injured. You never know. You look at the Royals' prospect list for all the lefties they had, what, four or five years ago? You had Mike Montgomery and John Lamb and Chris Dwyer and Noel Arguez and, uh, you know, on and on through those stretches of guys. You had Tim Melville, the right-hander. You go back and look at those guys, the majority of them have missed. Odorizzi in that group as well. Some have been okay at the major league level, but, you know, you just never know with prospects. You never know. Even going back to guys like Daniel Gutierrez, who people were upset when the Royals traded him for – a lottery ticket a while back and you know on and on you could go back and and find the darlings of the Royals minor league system so pitching is so tough to predict but the good thing is you can see what Dayton Morey has a clear plan as evidenced by this year's draft as well just stockpiling the pitching that's what he's been doing the last several years keep stockpiling the pitching because you need some of it to hit for your major league team to be good and you need some of it to trade to get the bats which have become more important than ever now that steroids have kind of hopefully taken their noses out of baseball so there you go I love the deal overall and I would think you know somebody tweeted me at Royals Clubhouse. Do you see more deals coming? That was from Eric, I believe. Do I see more deals coming for the Royals? Probably a small one. I don't know what, though, at this point. It just seems like there might be another. I mean, you, you could look at it and say the Royals need a left-handed reliever, but there's nowhere to put him. Nobody has options anymore on this pitching staff, almost literally. In fact, does anybody have options in this pitching staff besides Ventura and Duffy? believe that's it on the entire pitching staff. So you don't really have anybody you can send down. Ventura and Duffy are going nowhere, at least Duffy for sure, and Ventura most likely not, especially with September coming up in the near future. So pretty much your rotation and bullpen is set barring an injury. I mean, 
you've got your super utility guy, your backup catcher, and your third player, which is probably an outfielder. Most likely, Cuthbert goes to the minor leagues. Could be Orlando. I don't know who they'll keep up here. But, I mean, your team's pretty much full now. I, I still think there might be a small move, maybe made in August. There's bound to be an injury or somebody being ineffective in the next month. You know, the Royals could add somebody before September 1st, that hard deadline, and get them ready for the postseason roster. That could still happen, but uh, no, this will be the last big deal for sure. For one thing, the Royals can't afford to give up any more pitching at this point. They've had quite a bit, and they can withstand this, but if they give away too much more, they're going to start getting thin on pitching at the upper levels of the minor leagues. There ain't, you know, Kyle Zimmer and Miguel Almonte are really about upper level of the minor leagues. All you have as far as controllable, young, very upside major league starters. Zimmer and Almonte, and of course Zimmer's pitching out of the pen right now. You've got guys like Pedro Fernandez who aren't too far behind, and Eric Skoglin and Alec Mills is having a great year. And and you go down the list, they're still, you know, obviously way down there. You've got your Foster Grivens and your Scott Blewitts and your Nolan Watsons and Ash Russell. So there's still plenty of guys uh, pitching-wise in the Royals minor league system, but you don't want to start giving up too many more because most of those guys are still two, three, four years away from the major league level. So nice day for the Royals. Another great trade for Dayton Moore. He's going all in, and I love it. The Royals really have a complete roster. There's really not too many holes going forward, especially when Gordon gets healthy. And if you assume Zobras plays either second or right, there's really, I mean, what? You have, I mean, honestly, maybe one hole in that lineup if you want to be real picky. It's, I mean, it's, it's, it's freaking almost an all-star lineup. Literally. I mean, for the fans voting, we already have four in there, and Zobras has been an all-star. That's five. And you've got a couple other guys that are, you know, at least deserve some consideration. Your Moustakases, your Hosmers. So what the, what a team the Royals are putting together. Now let's get to tonight. The Royals win 2-1. to one. Your player of the game for the second straight night is Eric Hosmer, his eighth player of the game of the season. That leads the Royals here on Clubhouse Conversation for players of the games. Moose has seven. Volk has six. Gordo Morales, five, uh, trailing him. But Hosmer now a 10-game hitting streak and 19 RBIs this year against Cleveland for Eric Hosmer. And that's a big reason that the Royals have now won 16 of their last 21 is the play of Eric Hosmer over the last couple of weeks. Like I said, 10-game hitting streak, 19 RBIs against Cleveland. The club record is 20 by Mike Sweeney. And the Royals have, what, eight games left with Cleveland, so he should shatter that and then some. And Haas literally accounts for all of KC's offense tonight. Couple of RBIs and a run, which of course came on the home run with two outs in the ninth inning off of Trevor Bauer. A line drive to right field for Haas. His 11th home run of the year continues to expand on last year's total of nine. A rocket shot into right field. That would be the game winner for the Royals. Hosmer drove in the other run earlier in this game after the triple that Lorenzo Kane hit that was not caught in right field by Brandon Moss. Turned into a run after Hosmer knocked him in. That was big. Fourth inning. Hosmer knocks him in. Both RBIs in a run. You also had a triple tonight from Omar Infante, by the way. Nice to see that. Infante missed a home run again for back-to-back nights by, what, 10 feet max, 8 feet? Hitting off the top of that scoreboard, which is about, what, 5 to 8 to 10 feet away? I don't know the exact dimensions there in Cleveland, but not far from being a home run for Infante, who's speaking of him saying, hey, you guys go get Zobras. Don't not so fast. Don't be talking about him taking my job once Gordo comes back. Infante, the triple tonight, the home run yesterday, and how about the second best defensive play of the year? I'm still giving Alex Gordon the nod for diving into the stands head first in Chicago back in April and making that catch. But the second best play of the year, we'll call, we'll call this one one B. I call that one one A. One B in the ninth inning leading off. 
Perez <laughs> hits what it should be a sure base hit. Infante goes far to his right to the shortstop side of second base by a good three to four steps, backhands it, flips to Escobar, whose back is the first base. He grabs it with the bare hand, turns the 180, guns to Hosmer, a nice little scoop, and the Royals have the play of the night for the umpteenth time this year and the umpteenth time in the last three to five years with their defense. That was you just have to laugh and say, My God. I mean, what a play. And Omar Infante is not even known as one of the really good defensive players on this team. He's known as steady. He's known as eh, maybe slightly above average on defense. The range not quite what it is to his left. To his right seems to have pretty good range there on the backhand side there. But I mean the arm has been better all year. I mean, like I said, I mean probably though, what, the sixth or seventh, maybe the seventh best defender on this Royals team? Who are you putting him ahead of? Your Gordo's ahead of him. Kane's ahead of him. Moose is ahead of him. Escobar, Hosmer, Perez. Yeah, he's the eighth, probably the eighth, uh, seventh. Or I mean, you don't you don't count pitcher, obviously. So seventh best defensive player on this everyday lineup, and that's not a diss on Infante. He'd be the third or fourth best defensive player on many teams. But man, again, just showing the depth and what a complete game this is. I'm giddy about this. Can you tell? That helped cap off, by the way, four and a third scoreless innings for the KC Pen. They scattered three hits, two Ks, and a walk. Some people have asked me, am I worried about Greg Holland now? The velocity is there, 94 consistently, which is good to see. The velocity has been coming back, if anything. You know, give up a knock on this one. Sorry, a walk on this one. Uh, you know, uh, a knock up the middle of the game before this at home. I mean, yeah, there's been some hits allowed, and his ERA is north of three now, which for the Royals' bullpen is time to panic. I mean, we're used to seeing, you know, ERAs. 1-7, I mean, you go through it. So, But, no, I'm not worried about Holland at all. A nice job by him, Morales, Matson, and Davis tonight. One more thing about tonight is Chris Young. we got to talk about him, obviously. Through 29 pitches in the first inning, 25 more in the second. So Chris Young got through nearly five innings. But it's a disturbing trend. He continues to not give this Royals team innings. And I would assume if Jeremy Guthrie has a nice start tomorrow, nice meaning six-plus innings of three runs or less, you definitely keep Guthrie in the rotation. I mean, I've got on record, he's much more of an innings guy than Young is. It's not close throughout their careers. Guthrie's a guy you can definitely afford to keep out there as your fifth starter, even if he's given up three, four, five runs some nights. If he's giving you six, seven innings, he's still saving a pin, and you don't literally have to win every game from here on out. And Guthrie's still, I mean, look at the stats, though. He wins about two-thirds of his starts. When he starts, the Royals win at a ridiculous percentage, the best of all time in team history for the Royals. So, I mean, Guthrie wins when he pitches. He brings up the best in his team. He keeps him in games. But if nothing else, even if he's struggling more than normal this year, he's still giving you innings. And that's much that's more than Chris Young has been doing. Chris Young is still very effective in the bullpen. And a guy you also want to keep fresh in case you need him if an injury happens down the stretch. So, you know, we've seen him break down and wear down in the past as recently as last year and even some signs of it this year. So to me, you know, if Jeremy Guthrie has a decent outing tomorrow, uh, we'll say good. A good outing, it's a no-brainer. A decent outing, I still keep him in the rotation over Young. I move Young back in the bullpen as my long man along with Chris Medlin. So the Royals now have a nine-game lead in the American League Central as the Twins drop one to the Pirates tonight. Nine-game lead in the American League Central with three more games to go in July. The Royals are guaranteed at least a six-game lead. It'll be more than that, but, you know, worst case, they're guaranteed a six-game lead going into August 1st on the AL Central. Most likely, they'll probably be at anywhere from 8 to 10 going into August 1st in the AL Central. Who would have ever thunk? 
Who would have, seriously? You know, Las Vegas put the Royals over under wins this year at 81 and a half. The Royals will probably hit that by September 1st. They'll probably be 83, 84 wins by September 1st. Pretty remarkable. I'm giddy. These trades, this defense, this offense, man, what a team. Even the minor league system's got me excited, too. The fact that the Royals could still, you know, dole out all five of these pitchers and still have, I'm sure it'll end up still being in the 10 to 15 range as far as farm systems go at the end of this year. Even after all those trades that helped make the big league team from a, you know, from a very good team into potentially a great team, they still are going to be middle of the pack farm systems after all, after gutting it with five guys. Most teams would be like 28. The Royals are still going to be middle of the pack. That says something about the depth and the job that Dayton Moore, Scott Sharp, J.J. Piccolo, Lonnie Goldberg, Louis Medina, on and on, all the cross-checkers, all the scouts. That says something about the job they continue to do. Now, tomorrow, it's Jeremy Guthrie and Corey Kluber in the series finale, a true gravy game for the Royals, if there's ever been one. It's just one of those, whatever. If we win it, we win it. If not, who cares? We won the series. We're 23 games above 500. We've got, you know, Johnny freaking Cueto pitching for us on Friday and Ben freaking Zobras joining our team on Thursday. So it's one of those, whatever. Jerry McGuffey, of course, a very important start for him, as we just mentioned a second ago. Coming off seven innings, four runs on 11 hits against Houston. Has faced the Tribe twice this year with two no decisions. Five innings, one start on four runs. Five and a two-thirds and another with one run. I think Guffey's going to have a good game tomorrow. Cleveland is overdue to score some runs and have a nice day and win a game, but I still think Guffey's going to do well tomorrow. Now, the Royals' offense may be another story. Corey Kluber, yes, he's 0-3 against the Royals this year with a 5.85 ERA. 13 runs allowed in 20 innings this year by Kluber. And he is coming off a bad outing as well. Seven innings, six runs, and eight hits against the White Sox. So uh, something's got to give, right? Or not. Are the Royals just going to keep their season-long battering of Corey Kluber? In you know, in a full effect, or is he going to finally settle down and A, have a good start against them, and B, follow up a bad start? I'm going to bet the latter. I think Cleveland wins kind of like a 4-2, to 4-1, to 3-0, to 5-2 to kind of game tomorrow. But we'll see what happens. Whatever. If the Royals win it, that's great. That's just gravy at this point. What a time to be a Royals fan. We'll talk to you as the Royals head to Toronto and keep it here for more conversations with your favorite current and former Royals players. Go Royals! It's Clubhouse Conversation with Davo. Have yourself a great night.